The following sermon is from Evangel Temple Youth Ministries. For more information about how you can get involved, please visit etchurch.org forward slash youth. Because this way, it's not just me um, telling you what I think or what um, I'm reading in Scripture, but um, now you've got three other individuals which I trust so much with the, their theology and um, their thoughts. And so um, now you get to hear from them and just kind of talk a little bit about this topic. And so um, before we jump into kind of our order of conversation tonight, if you will, I just want to introduce you all. And so they're not in the same order as they are on the screen, as you can see, um, but we'll just go down the order here. This is Jerry, Ireland. And so uh, give it up for Jerry really quick. <laughs> Jerry, correct me, but you've been done now four years, you said, um, with your doctorates. Okay, and um, you just want to give like one minute maybe of what you're doing right now. Um, what's kind of new in your life? Yeah, so we're missionaries to West Africa. <clears throat> We've been in Africa for about 12 years, and we're in the States now. We're, at, in, we're in Springfield. I'm teaching at AGTS, and we have a little seven-year-old daughter named Karis who uh, we're trying to keep up with. So mm. uh, that's what we're doing these days. That's awesome. So next we have Donna Washburn. And so um, I know some people here in this crowd are like, Woo, mom, yeah, go mom. <laughs> that's awesome. You should be proud and don't ever lose it. Um, Donna, do you want to just say a little bit about yourself before we get started? Hey, guys. I teach at Evangel. I think you all know that. And um, I now direct the new Center for Compassion at Evangel. And if you were in church Sunday, you heard a little bit about that. Mm -hmm. But most importantly, Evan and Emma are mine. So if I embarrass them tonight, I apologize ahead of time. I think I just did. (laughs) That's all it took. Do you want me to tell you stories about them? Because I can. Oh, yeah. Oh, forget the panel. Let's just... (laughs) And last but not least, we have Jacob Schaefer, um, a great friend that I've had for a few years now. Yeah, yeah, give it up for him. Um, if you guys remember, Jacob, do you remember, uh, you spoke here, you preached here, was it about this time last year? Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, so if you guys remember that, um, Jacob's already spoke here before, and so um, we have a great friendship where we just met in um, college, and so um, I won't steal all your thunder. Um, what, what's happening right now in your life? Yeah, so uh, I'm a student at AGTS. And um, I'm studying my master's of leadership and ministry. I uh, graduated last year from Evangel. Um, got married a year ago. Mm. So Glory. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so she's amazing. Uh, she's a nursing student at Evangel. And um, we have a dog. And it's a blue healer. Her name's Daisy. So she's super cute. So we can call you dad then. Yeah. Yeah. I guess awesome, is. man. You guys are already parents. Yeah. That's so cool. That's awesome. Well, um, so we're going to jump right into it then, if that's cool with you guys. Um, just like this, just to freshen up your minds and what, what we've been talking about the last three weeks. Um, so, and I think you guys, are all, you guys are all caught up. I sent you my sermon notes, and you guys have already heard it. Um, but so week one, we kind of just hit on this idea that um, because no one's perfect, everyone struggles with sin, right? Um, if we were to critique anyone, it has to be in a humble heart. It has to be in knowing that um, we really know better um, in our sinfulness. And so um, really we laid the foundation with that, if you guys remember. And then week two, we said, okay, well, what about non-Christians? And my, what I was really pushing was that 
it's better to focus on Christ and just talking about um, the God that you love and serve. Um, rather than focusing on a specific sin that they struggle with, you could go on a, off on a rabbit trail, right? Because if it's not one sin, it's another that they struggle with. So rather, just talk about this amazing God that you love. Um, and then once they would fall in love with that God, well, then we can address, which we did on the third week, um, how do you talk to Christians about their sin? And so um, talking after week one, after week two, um, how do you critique uh, Christians and sin? And so um, that was a hard topic, and that actually will be a bulk of what we're talking about tonight. Um, but, I mean, in love. But I think we're, we have a responsibility to each other's holiness, right, to push each other to Christ. And um, we would be letting the other one down if we were just to turn a blind eye. And so um, there is this aspect of just critiquing or calling out sin um, in our um, brothers and sisters in Christ. And so that is actually a, a large chunk of what we're talking about tonight. Um, but I don't want to fast forward there quite yet. Because after each week, we had a question, at least one question submitted from each night. And so just starting from week one... Um, and I think I have my clicker here. If not, Sarah, you want to help me out? You want to click away? Um, the first question, um, based off of this idea of just, you know, we're critiquing from a humble heart, um, coming at it, knowing that we're no better, um, this question was submitted. Should I call someone out on their sins, even if I think they are better than me, because I know all of my sins? And so, uh, just basically, uh, does our sinfulness, our own sinfulness, disqualify us? Um, and so, I won't talk anymore. Um, I'll give it up to you guys. What do you guys think? Yeah. Um, first, I, let me just say that I think it's awesome that you guys are dealing with this because I think there's people that have followed Jesus for their whole lives who really haven't thought deeply about these questions. Yeah. Um, and so this is great that you guys are, are thinking about this, that you're asking these questions and, and wanting answers. I, I think it's really awesome. Um, so on this question, um, there's a couple of, of things um, first of all, if, if because of our own sins, we never addressed anybody else's sins, um, if that was true, then nobody, not pastors, not missionaries, not chaplains, not worship leaders, nobody would ever address anybody's sins because everybody has sin. Yeah. Um, and so, so you can't wait until you're perfect um, to to try to lead somebody else um, to Jesus. Um, but also, I, I want to kind of right off the bat talk about, um, I, I want to address the whole concept of calling somebody out. Mm -hmm. Because I think, um, I think the better biblical picture is calling somebody in. Um, like, I, I know that's how we talk about it, um, but Christianity is about community. Um, and at the center of that community is Jesus. And what you're doing when you come to somebody about their sins is you're calling them into a deeper discovery of what that community is all about. Um, and it, for me, it's really helpful to think about it in those terms because you're not pushing somebody away. You're pulling them in. Mm -hmm. And that's what Jesus does to us. That's a good I think, point. So. I love that. Yeah, I guess I can just kind of build off that a little bit. Um, I think a lot of times, like, we as Christians like to, we, we hold ourselves to such a high standard and um, hold others to even a high standard as well. And if we, if we, if we know sins in our own lives, uh, things that we maybe hide or things that people um, don't necessarily know about, and uh, they, they shame us into not talking into someone else's life and helping them out. 
And I think a lot of times that can just be a, a, just something that really just holds us back from building community, like he was saying, mm-hmm. really holds us back from strengthening those relationships with one another. Because the act of, of speaking, calling someone in, into community, that's not only benefiting them, it's benefiting you, it's benefiting mm-hmm. the entire community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it might seem hard to do because you know that you're inwardly, you know that you aren't perfect as well. But that act of speaking to someone else's life isn't saying that you're perfect. It's trying to help someone else out. It's trying mm-hmm. to bring someone else in to do life together, to work on things together. So Yeah, that's good. And, you know, that's actually, and I think some of these questions will overlap a little bit. And so um, if we've already exhausted one of the questions, that's okay. We can just keep going. But it actually does relate some to the next two questions. Um, the first one um, was should I wait until a certain point in my faith to call someone out? And so a little bit of what Jacob was just talking about, um, are you good enough to call somebody out um, is really the question. Are, are, you, are you good enough to say, hey, you know, brother or sister, you know, I, I want to talk to you about this, um, you know, I see in your life. And so uh, what would you guys say to that question? You should wait until you're saved. Yeah. <laughs> Other than that, you're not. I don't know. I know some unsafe people that have, they have some good advice. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. And told some Christians a thing or two. So, yeah. um, you know, I think part of that is, you know, waiting into a certain point, that question, and then even whether you should talk to somebody else because of your own sin. I think the reality is, as, as both these gentlemen have mentioned, we're all on this journey together. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't be, hey, I've got to tell you about what you're doing bad. It's more like, hey, let's have this conversation where I'm struggling with some stuff in my life and I think you're yeah. struggling with some stuff in your life and yeah. let's work it out together. Mm-hmm. And how can I help you and can you help me with my stuff? Mm-hmm. And let's all do this journey together rather mm-hmm. than, hey, I got to sit you down and tell you what you're doing wrong. Yeah. When I got all this stuff going on in my life, it's more like, hey, guys, let's help each other and pull each other up, all of us together. And if we come from it from that perspective, then I don't think it's a I'm better than you or I have gotten far enough in my faith where I can. It's we're all on this race together. And if you ever know anything about marathon races, um, there are times where some people are really strong and they're running really well and strong and others are not and they cheerlead each other on it's amazing even when people are competing against each other you watch some of those races they are helping each other all get to the finish line um and i think that's what we really need to be looking at is again that community yeah yeah i i would add to that um you know in matthew 7 um and this is kind of the passage that everybody always talks about when they won't don't want christians Um, to judge them for anything. Matthew 7, you know, Jesus says, do not be judged um, for you. In the same way you judge, you will also be judged. And everybody uses that as as sort of a, to to sort of throw back at at us to say, see, you can't call me out of my sins. You can't, you Mm -hmm. can't talk about my sins because Jesus says, don't judge. Yeah. But that's not what Jesus is saying. If you keep reading the rest of that, that passage, he talks about, and I think this is exactly what this question is getting at. He talks about um, reflecting on your own brokenness. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if there's, a, if there's a point 
that you have to be at before you can address somebody else's sin, I would say it's you have to have a deep awareness of your own brokenness mm-hmm. um, and of your own need of a savior. Yeah. Um, and that's what Jesus is talking about when he says, you know, how can you take the speck out of somebody else's eye when you still have a log in your own eye? And so he's, then, then he says, first, take the log out of your own eye, and then you can address the speck in somebody else's eye. He doesn't, the, the passage is not saying don't judge at all, yeah. um, because we all make judgments and about things all the time. You cannot live without making judgments. Um, and so, um, so people kind of twist that around a lot, I, yeah. I think. So. Yeah, I like that. And so, yeah, I mean, there's this idea of it's not if you're good enough or if you're ready, I guess, to walk with somebody through it. It's realizing, I mean, we're on this marathon together. We're, we're working together. So the flip side of it, um, not so much a- am I ready to um, confront somebody, but the second question is like the opposite. Um, is there ever a point where I can no longer or am I disqualified from calling someone else out in their sin? So um, the opposite of that. I think the only time you should be disqualified into speaking into someone else's life is if your motive is not pure. Mm. So if you have a motive that you want to speak into their life because you have pride and you want to let them know that they aren't as good as you or because you're angry at them and you want to tell them what they've done wrong, um, if your motive is not coming from a pure place of truly wanting them to grow in Christ and grow as a um, good human being, that's when you should take a breath and say, I'm not going to speak into their life at this moment. Um, I think sometimes we have to check ourselves and make no. sure that we are not um, calling someone out out of uh, some prideful uh, motive mm-hmm. of our own. Or sometimes we, we do that because we want them um, to look bad in front of others. And mm. if that's the case, then that's when we should be disqualified. Otherwise, I think um, if we're in community together, we need to be chalking with one another. Yep. That's good. So um, that, that really kind of summed up a lot of the questions that we got from this idea of um, the first week, uh, um, critiquing from a humble standpoint. Um, and so after that first week, um, we started getting some questions about the, our interaction with non-believers, ra- focusing more on the cross rather than their specific sins. And so um, we can jump right into those questions. The first one here that we got was, how do you reconcile verses that warn us against being around bad company with verses that tell us to befriend non-believers so that we can point them to Christ? And so we do see that in Scripture, both, play, you know, um, both of those, this idea of just be, being cautious um, of the influence, but then at the same time, uh, you know, influence them, you know. And so um, what would you guys say to that? Yeah, I would say, uh, unfortunately, we are out of time. Um, yeah. <laughs> Thanks so guys, thanks so much everybody. for. <laughs> yeah. No, um, I think um, first of all, the whole um, good character, bad company corrupts good character. Um, Jesus makes that, or Paul makes that statement in First Corinthians 15, mm-hmm. and he's talking about um, people who don't believe in the resurrection. Um, the whole context of that statement is people who don't believe a central. Um, tenet of Christianity in the context of a believing community, how that can corrupt the rest of the community. Um, Now, that said, it does, in a general sense, apply outside of that context. 
um, you know, if, um, if you're going to be hanging around people who, who are unsaved, you need to have wisdom about what kinds of things you do and who they are and where you go with those people. Um, you know, I, I had a friend who his uh, co-workers every Friday afternoon used to go to a bar and they would invite him and for a long time he, he wouldn't go. Um, and then finally he said, you know what? I'm missing an opportunity to speak into these people's lives. I don't have to drink when I go with them. I can go and I can eat. I can drink a Coke. Um, nothing about hanging out with these people is going to force me to sin. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm missing an opportunity to be salt and light in a place that desperately needs it. And so he started going with them. And he, he had opportunities to speak into these people's lives and explain to them why he doesn't drink and why he doesn't do certain things. Um, that he would have never had if, if he just stayed away. Um, now, I, again, I would say if that group of people is doing things that would require you to sin, I would say you shouldn't go. <laughs> um, and, and I think that all comes back to the idea that, that um, you know, we often want the Bible to give us this is what you should do in every situation and in every yeah. context, and it doesn't do that. That's right. But what the Bible does do is teach us that a life of faithfulness lived in community with Jesus and with God's people produces godly wisdom. Yeah. And godly wisdom will be the, the resource that you need to know what you should do in those situations. Mm-hmm. So That's good. Yeah, um, I would... I mean, that's a great answer. I would definitely agree with all that he said. Um, and if you think about it, if we weren't able to befriend non-believers, if we weren't able to reach out to non-believers, how would we ever reach them and let them know about the love of Jesus in the first mm-hmm. place? And I'm not, I know uh, all of you guys, how many here are friends with probably non-believers at school? Probably a majority of you guys. I mean, if you guys, you guys are probably in schools that have plenty of non-believers. You guys are on sports teams that have plenty of non-believers. You guys are in music groups, whatever, whatever it may be, you guys are surrounded by non-believers all the time, just as we are. Yeah. And, and you're never going to get away from that in society and culture. Um, I think, you know, as you, if you look at Jesus, Jesus, he ate with non-believers. He ate mm-hmm. with sinners. Um, but who did he spend majority of his time with? Who did he allow to, to influence his life? It was his disciples. He mm-hmm. spent time with his disciples, the people that um, were going to propel his ministry forward. And, um, you know, he didn't allow his time with the non-believers to create habits in his life mm-hmm. that would go outside of his time with them. And I think that's, that's part of, I mean, I, I was in high school probably, I mean, how long is it? Like six years ago, five <laughs> or six years ago. So I'm not, I mean, I'm not naive to the fact that, you know, your, your friends um, that you guys run to at school, you know, I, I, I'm sure that there's a lot of pull towards doing certain things. And there's a lot of things going on in high school that um, aren't necessarily what you want to do as Christians. And there, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't mean that you can't talk to those people. It doesn't mean you can't befriend those people and, you know, uh, hang out with them. But at the same time, if that's creating something inside of you that is create, that's causing you to want to do something that you know is outside of what God wants for your life, yeah. um, then that's where you have to cut the line. And that's where you have to really draw a line in the sand there. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, I've been out of school a few more years than five. Five or six. Five or six. <laughs> Just a few more. Um, but I also remember, and I work with a lot of individuals, and in some not at Evangel, but in other roles in my life with non-believers. But I think I like to think of it as a cup. So when you're hanging out with your friends who are not believers and are not Christ followers, it can feel as though you're pouring out, and 
in those moments, you're pouring out Christ to them. You're pouring out um, a cup of cold water to them. You're giving to them. And you need to think of it that way, that when I'm with my non-believer friends, I am representing Christ and I am there as light. And not that at every moment you're like looking for that you yeah. know, witness time. Right. You can relax and have fun too. <laughs> um, but you're pouring out during those times. But just as equally important, you need to be poured into. And yeah. so... If you are hanging out with a lot of non-believers, great, good. You're having the opportunity to be light and salt. But then when are you also being able to be poured into and have your life um, filled mm -hmm. up, that cup refilled, mm -hmm. and that would be with your believer friends. So, so if all you ever do is hang out with individuals that need you, that cup of cold water from you, you're going to be depleted. And yeah. that's when you're going to have the opportunity for people to speak into your life that maybe you don't want speaking into your life and yeah. pouring into you that probably you don't need to be poured into from. So keeping that balance of making sure that you have other friends that are believers, like coming to youth group and coming to Sunday school and yeah. finding other believers in your school and connecting with them so that you're able to have your life spoken into as well for when you need to pour that back out. Yeah. I, I would add to that saying that uh, and just say that my, my own testimony is a story of exactly what she just described because uh, I was in the Navy and I was around um, a lot of people who um, they weren't just not saved, they were really not saved. <laughs> um, uh, and um, I was hanging out with these people every day. And, um, but I wasn't going to church. I wasn't involved in a Christian community. I wasn't in a place where I was being fed. Yeah. And so by being with non-believers all the time who were always sinning, it wasn't long before I was doing what they were doing. Yeah. And it led me, um, into a, about a 10 year drug addiction, um, mm -hmm. and, and alcoholism, um, because I didn't have a community that was, that was being, that was a healing community to me. That was a, yeah. a community that filled me up with, with the things that I needed. Um, and so, um, so I, I, I think you have, I think this is a really complicated question. Yeah. Um, but I think you have to, one, I think you have to know yourself. Um, you have to know what's a safe place for you and what's not. Um, and I think you have to know the people that you're with. Mm. Um, can you, hang out with them and be who you are without being pressured to be something you're not? Um, or can you, again, this goes back to knowing yourself, if they do pressure you, are you strong enough to resist that pressure? Um, and all, that all goes back to this idea of godly wisdom. Yeah. And, and that, that is what this is all about. That's what Christian community is all about. That, yeah. That's where we get that strength from, from being in the presence of Christ, from worshiping, from from studying the Bible and from mm -hmm. trusting in God for um, for all that we have, so that's good. Yeah. Um, this is a little rabbit trail from that, but um, I think it's really important when you ha choose people in your life to be around. Choose some godly mentors, people that are yeah. older than you, that are wiser than you, that can caution you, and then be willing to listen to them when they say, "Hey." I'm a little nervous because you're starting to really hang with these people all the time, and this is what I'm seeing yeah. out of you. Um, that doesn't have to be your parents. Of course, I would love that to be me. That's my children. Evan, do you hear it? <laughs> but, right. But other godly um, leaders that are here at church, um, you have great youth pastors. I mean, you guys really have the salt of the earth youth pastors. And 
you sponsors that are here, or maybe somebody else that you really trust. But if they are a Christ follower, listen to them and heed their warnings if they say to you, hey, I'm really, I'm starting to see something I don't like. Instead of getting bristly, listen to that and be yeah. willing to accept that correction if so, you're engaging in, you know, lots of activity that, that could be d- difficult for you to come back from. Yeah. yeah, and I would even add to that. I know that when I was in high school um, and a lot of friends that I had. Years ago. Five, five or six, or six years, years ago. Five or six years ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know that a lot of my friends who I was in youth group with, uh, one thing that we like to do is try to go as close as we can to the line of the not, but not passing it. You know, close as you can to doing something good before you get to that, over that little line that would make it something that's wrong, right? Mm, yeah. And I can tell you from experience that every time, the, the, fir- the, the more you do that, the more times you push that line, the easier it is to just cross it. Mm-hmm. And um, I, would just re- I would just, you know, give you guys advice just on surround yourself with good people. And, yeah. um, I mean, these, these guys spit some great truth about this topic. But just surround yourself with good people and lean into the people you have around you right now. Because the people who are here are the people that care and the people that are really going to want to move you forward and push you forward in your faith. And yeah. you guys can go on this journey together. And it's, it's worth it. It's worth yeah. having good people around you. And it's worth uh, growing together. Yeah. So another story about this very question is my, um, my mentor is a guy named Daniel McNaughton. And he was an evangel grad, and he told me the story of, of when he was here. He, was a, he played basketball. He was a really good basketball player. Um, and, um, but he was, and he was smart. He's really smart. But he wasn't really studying. He was just hanging out, partying, going out. Um, you know, he was just kind of there. And, uh, and a professor kind of pulled him aside one day and said, what are you doing? You know, he said, what? Why are you here? Hmm. Because you're really smart and you're wasting your opportunity here. And so he went and he thought about that and reflected on it and thought about what he wanted to do with the gifts that God had given him. And so he went back to this group of friends that he was very close to at Evangel University. And he said, um, he said, I've got to change my group of friends um, hmm. because you guys are going this way and I wow. want to go this way. Um, and that totally changed the course of his life. Um, wow. They, um, and he told his friends, hey, if you want to come with me, <laughs> if you want to get your act together, yeah. I'd love to still be friends. But if you don't, um, I'm not doing this anymore. Um, and he went on to get his PhD at one of the best schools in the country. Um, and wow. he's a brilliant professor. Yeah. Um, so sometimes you have to do that, you know. You got to know yourself. You do. If you, you can gotta, still be their friend yeah. and not fall into that temptation, yeah. maybe you can keep and, it. But you if... know, and he invited them to come with him. He invited them yeah. to make the same changes that yeah. he was making, and they they said no. Yeah. Um, so I, I think sometimes you you have to know when those crucial moments are. Wow, that's hard. It is. That's it hard. Is. That's good. So um, continuing on this, this, this relationship with non-believers, um, the next question that we had here was at what point in the witnessing process should we talk about their specific sins? Um, should it ever come up? And if so, maybe how? I guess I could add into that uh, question. Um, so that's a, that's a hard one. It's a little bit easier to say let's focus on Christ, you know, but um, I don't know. What do you guys think? So I would say... Um, Again, 
I, I don't think there is an answer to this that fits every context. Yeah. Um, and that fits every situation and that fits everybody's life. Um, but I, I would say this. Um, you have to be willing um, to lose the friendship um, in order to save the person. Um, in other words, you have to be able to, to at a point where you realize if I don't say something to this person, they're gonna, they're gonna, their life is going to go off the cliff. If I don't intervene, um, their disaster is waiting for them. You have to be willing to say, you know what, I'm willing to lose our friendship in order to save the person. Um, because ultimately, um, if, they, if they reject you because of what you try to speak into their lives, um, that's really on them. I mean, it, it, that sounds harsh, but it is. Mm -hmm. um, but we're not going to be, when we stand before Jesus, um, it's going to be about what we did with what we had. <laughs> um, and, and all of those things are going to matter. Um, you guys feel free to jump in any moment. Uh. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah uh, I would just say uh, to that, um, I think it's just the way you approach it, really. I mean, it really comes down to how you're approaching it. and The motive, like what Donna said, yeah, has a lot to do with it. Yeah, know? it just comes down to how you're coming at it. And it, it's, it, can really sound, it can really sound mean if you come at it in a mean way, if you come at it with a uh, you know, hurtful and just the way you word it, the way you talk about it. But, um, mm -hmm. you know, one thing that I've always held to is when God has someone's heart, their actions are going to follow that. And, I mean, we're all going to make mistakes. Um, no one in here is perfect. No one here will ever is going to be perfect for the rest of their lives. We're, we're all going to make mistakes down the road. And um, I think it's just in that time, if you come along them, come along to your friend, come along, come along that person, that believer, and, you know, you're just talking to them, um, just caring about them, just loving on them from a, a, a true, just Christ-like love. I don't think it's wrong at all. I don't think it's, um, I don't think there's yeah. a point. I think it's just at any point you can um, that you see that. And it, it's not even just about calling every little sin you see out. It's about, you know, just asking me you know, how they're doing that day. It's, a, it's, a, it's about relationship. You know, mm -hmm. are you going to check in with them throughout the week, even if they're not sinning? Or are you just going to talk to them whenever you see yeah. something wrong with them? <laughs> so I think like, Gotta love those friends. you know, where's your, where's your heart at for that? If it's just about pointing out when they're doing something wrong and not about talking to them throughout the week and, Checking in on them. How's you know how are they, how are you doing? What's causing you to act that way? Why are you? Yeah. What's going on in your life that's making you act like this? And um, just relate to them in that way. Relate to them in a real way. And I, I think that's just the best way to approach it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. And you know, I think sometimes we think we we talk in too much churchies and Christianese and the idea of like calling out someone's sin. I, I can't imagine any one of you, and maybe would walk up to a friend at school that is doing something they shouldn't and you looking at them and saying, you're in sin, you need to yeah. stop. <laughs> I, if you did that, probably not the most effective. Uh, probably my, not. It's my guess. But what you could do is say, hey, let's go to lunch. Can, you want to eat lunch with me today? Mm -hmm. And what's going on in your life? Sin is destructive. We know that. The mm -hmm. Bible doesn't say don't do these behaviors just because God is some big buzzkill and he doesn't want us to have fun. He says don't do these behaviors because it's destructive. Yeah. And it's destructive to often our physical body. It's destructive to our mind, to our heart. 
So when you're hanging out with a, a friend who is really struggling with something, they're going to be in pain. They're going to be in, in some kind of angst and trouble. And that's what you're talking to them about. Hey, yeah. this isn't working well for you. What can I do to help you? This behavior is not good for you. Mm. You don't even have to say this is sin. This behavior is not good for you yeah. in your life. And sinful behavior is destructive. So you can talk about it from that perspective, not I am the Christian going to tell you what you're doing wrong, but this behavior is harming you. So let's, you know, what can I do to help you get off that track? And then they're open to listening to you and they say, well, I don't know what else to do. Hey, you know what? I do. Yeah. I have a relationship with Christ and he helps me make those choices, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So I think the idea that, um, you know, you have to at some point call them out on, it's the relationship piece, and it's the, the piece of saying, I'm really worried about you. I care mm. about you so much, and I see what this behavior is doing in your life. Yeah. And I don't, I don't want to see you um, going down that path. That's good. That's a really good input. Yeah, and I also I think you should never talk about sin um, with somebody without talking about grace. Yeah. Um, grace is, is, the, is what's unique about the gospel. <laughs> um, there's no other religion in the world that says when you were really, really bad off, God came down and died on your behalf so that you could be lifted up and taken out of all of your sin and taken out of all of your rebellion and all of your, your turning away from God, um, that God does that for us. We, it's not in every other religion. It's all about works. It's about trying hard enough to be good enough to please God. And so um, um, that just depresses people, you know, um, because people know they can't be good enough. So if you're going to talk to somebody about their sins, talk to them about grace because yeah. grace is what the church has to offer. Um, but also on, just on the issue of addressing people's sins, I, I remember when I was um, deep in my addictions, I remember one time my, my mom said to me, I, I, we were talking, and I said, um, I said, well, you know, this is just the way I am. It's just the way I'm made. And her response to me was, um, I know that God did not make you this way. Hmm. And that thought, like, just gnawed at my mind oh. for about six months. Um, like, I just could not get it out of my head. Like, how did she, how does she know this? What, what? What are the, what what gives her that the confidence to say that she's certain that God didn't make me this yeah. way, um, and uh, and that just stuck with me, and that was a huge part in my my coming to Christ. So um, so cool. don't don't be afraid. I think to say what people need to hear. Yeah, that's good. I love that coming out of. I mean, what all you guys said just coming out of just concern, not so much for saying I see something wrong, but your well-being. I love you enough to just, you know, this isn't good for you, but just always bringing up grace with it. Love that. That's a good point. So um, now moving from this idea of talking with non-believers. Oh, and I guess I would throw in too, um, if I could. Uh, obviously, and <laughs> undoubtedly, when they ask you, um, hey, like, I know you, you know, you talk about Jesus, you talk about God, and that's all good for you, uh, but what is it then? I, I 
a lot of times for me, they actually prompt it. It's not so much like, when, when is the best time that I can tell them this? Or when, when can I uh, bring this up in their life? Actually, a lot of the times, whenever I'm just um, really just trying to show Christ, uh, they actually, they want to know, like, what do you think about this, this aspect of my life? Like, you already know about this aspect of my life. And a lot of times, they want to know, like, what do you think about this? Um, because you're still friends with me, and you know that's a part of my life. And again, at that point, then I can say, well, you know, um, I care about your well-being. I don't think it's good for you. Um, and then also, but man, let me tell you, grace. Um, and, and so this idea of just, a lot of times they want to know what you think about their specific sin. Um, and so a lot of times you don't even have to find it. They'll prompt it. So, but anyway. They'll, they'll tell you more than you want to know. That's exactly. Like, stop, that's enough. I, I can help. I can work from that. Um, but so moving, moving from this idea of, okay, so our interaction with non-believers um, now gets really where the bulk of our questions were. Um, and that is, okay, so if we're called to really um, confront one another, keep each other accountable or whatever, um, however you want to phrase it. So the question is, how do you do that well? Um, and what does this relationship with believers look like? Um, one another, rummage shoulders with each other, knowing each other's lives, um, how do we do this well? And so this is where a lot of our questions, um, this is for the rest of the time, the topic um, of questions. And so the first one here says, how should I go about trying to keep my friend accountable when they always push me away? Um, seems like they just don't want to listen or, or something like that. Yeah, well, um, I could definitely tell you this, that you can never make someone do something that they don't want to do. And um, if that's something you guys have, there's many w different ways to come about this. If you guys have started off with an accountability relationship, kind of set guidelines, kind of, you know, told each other what you guys are going to do, agreed to that, um, there's some way you can approach that, you know, obviously coming to them and talking to, to them about what's going on. Um, if there's, you know, if they, if they keep pushing you away regardless of the fact, um, I would just advise just to pray for them, man. Just keep, keep in relationship with them, keep checking in on them. And uh, just keep praying for them. And uh, I would say even this kind of hitting back we talked about last time, it's just, it's just about relationship. Like how are you going to keep checking in on them and uh, relate to them in other ways and uh, just connect to them on a life basis, a life mm -hmm. uh, level? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I think um, a big part of, of all of this is realizing that it's not our job to convict people of their sins. Yeah. Um, the Holy Spirit does that. Yeah. Um, and, and what people, I think, respond to is, is when they know that you care about them. Um, and that's, to me, that's the essence of, of where all this starts. If, if people see that, you're, that you genuinely care about who they are, um, they're going to want to be in a relationship with you. Mm -hmm. um, I, I read a story once on a, a blog of, about kind of dealing with some of this issue and a, about hypocrisy in the church. And this lady was telling a story of how um, a Christian friend of hers at work kept inviting her to church. And, and, and she kind of said, well, yeah, you know, maybe I'll go sometime. And, and anyway, the, she changed jobs and they didn't see each other for a while. And then um, and then they ran into each other, and the lady just kind of came up to her and said, hey, why don't you come to my church tonight? And not even like, hey, how are you doing? What's going on? I haven't seen you in two years. Cornered You know, her. like, <laughs> hey, would you come to church? And, and the person's response was, like, you don't really care about me. You just, I, I'm just a number to you. Yeah. Like, I'm just 
um, so I'm just like a notch, yeah. you know, in your list of people that you're trying to get to go to church. And, and, um, and it so turned this person off. Uh, they actually said, they said, yeah, you know what? I'll go to church with you if, if you come to my, uh, I go to the Buddhist temple um, on Saturday nights. If you come with me to that, I'll go to you with your church. And uh, the person just took off. <laughs> so like, um, so um, we need to be genuinely, um, yeah. just get our hands dirty and, and be involved in people's lives. Yeah, that's good. And I think, uh, were you going to say something? Sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I, you know, I think a lot of the times, um, whenever you're real with someone and just like, man, I, because I care about you. And so obviously that has to be ground rule. And we just talked about that. Um, it has to check your motives first. If they're not happy with um, you keeping them accountable and you just, they just want to keep uh, pushing you off and not wanting to listen to you, um, maybe it, it might be you're, you're just not coming at it the right way. Probably have the wrong motive. See them as just a number. I can get this person fixed. Um, and so obviously, one, check your motive, like Jerry was saying. Um, you know, look at it like, are you really doing it out of a genuine care for this person to see a transformed life that, out of someone that you love so deeply? Um, so one, check your motive, um, you know, and, and just make sure that all that's good. Um, but then I would also say if they're still like, man, I don't want to listen to this person, um, still, I would say maybe some of it, it might be the case that um, we don't like, uh, conviction doesn't always feel good. And so um, it might just be they know you're right and they feel deeply convicted and they're just trying to run as fast as they can and as hard as they can away from God. And so um, it might be that you just keep persisting, um, keep your motive clean, love them deeply, and them pushing you off might be them actually just coming to the brink of finally saying you're right. I accept it and just like this deep conviction of just hating what you say, but deep down they know. Um, and so that might be it too. Yeah. So a good example of this um, at my 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 dad's funeral, my my wife and I um, were we were talking to my stepmom about faith. She's not a believer. My dad wasn't a believer, and we were sharing the gospel with them. And and my stepmom listened to us for about an hour, and after the end of that hour, she said, "You know," she said, "I I believe everything that you just said." She said, but I'm just not ready to go there yet. Hmm. And so we backed off. We said, okay, that's, that's fine. We backed off, and, and we prayed for her every day for a year. We didn't push the gospel on her. We had already shared it with her. Hmm. So we, we didn't call her up once a week and said, have you decided yet? Have you decided yet? You know? <laughs> um, but we just we stayed in touch. We loved her, we, and we prayed for her every single day. About a year later, she calls me up one day, and she says, um, she said, I just wanted you to know that driving to work this morning, I gave my life to Jesus. Wow. A year later. That's so cool. And I was like, Betty, that's awesome. You really need to get into a good church now because you need to be discipled, and you need to discover what, what that means. And, and she said, yeah, I believe that, but I'm just not ready for church yet. <laughs> one more so year. Like, okay. <laughs> Yes, oh. a whole another year goes by, and we just kept praying for her every day. Wow! And and I think that's we have to n not forget that prayer is the most effective tool that we have for people to come to Christ. Yeah. Um, a year later, she she calls me up and she said it was like early March, and she said, "I just want you to know I've been to church every Sunday this year." 
And if I, if I have to miss it because of work, I go and I pick up the, the recording and I listen to it at home. She said, I cannot stand to miss a Sunday of, of church. That's so cool. But it took two years to get her there. And I, I'm convinced that if we had been like hovering over her, like, yeah. make a decision, you know, she, it would have never happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, there's times when you, you just have to love people, do what you can, and then back off and pray and pray and pray and pray. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I, I would even second that. Um, I've had some friends that kind of in your setting right now that I went to youth group with that would come to youth group with me and we were just, you know, excited about Christ, gave our lives to Christ, uh, decided to, you know, be accountability partners. And um, this was in in high school about five or six years ago. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, um, yeah. Don, did you hear that, by the way? Five, six years ago. So, okay, just making sure. But but anyway, yeah, so in in high school, they kind of fell away a little bit from the faith. They kind of drifted. And um, one of my things that I was trying to do was just kind of bringing them back to, you know, just reminding them of God and staying friends with them. We were on the basketball team together, so... I would see them every single day, and um, it, none of it worked, though. They, they just kept, they kept with their own fin, friend group. They kept, you know, getting farther and farther away um, from, from God. One of my friends got two DUIs within two years' time, and, um, and then, you know, all of a sudden, I got a chance this past summer to go back home, and I got to connect with them again. And I was staying in contact with uh, them through college, and I would see them every once in a while. And I just had a conversation with a guy, and I was like, and kind of similar... Um, to, to your to your story over there, um, you know he just he just wasn't ready at the time, and through this conversation um, this summer we were able to start a Bible study together, and just kind of go on a journey and uh, walk back through just take baby steps of faith, and um, just keeping him accountable just with small things at first and not expecting someone who isn't mature in their faith to be pushed beyond something that they're not able to do. And not expecting him to do all these little these things that I'm that I, I know to do that I you know praying every day mm. all these things that uh, as a mature believer you kind of develop over time you know you can't expect someone who just walks into faith to know all these things right away so um, as we walked together through this summer through just the Bible study uh, more friends came more friends came and uh, at the end of the summer I got to baptize four of my friends. That's so cool. Uh, in my grandma's pool. So it was really cool. Wow. Super cool experience. But it's just, it takes time. And I think sometimes we want to rush it. Um, we want to keep them accountable right then and there and expect them to get it right, expect them to get it perfect. Because maybe right now we're in that spot where it's good. We're in that spot where we can keep, you know, we're walking with our faith and nothing, nothing's going wrong in our lives. But who knows what's going on in their life and what's keeping them from really fully making that commitment. And years down the road, it could be you're walking and, uh, you're having a struggle with your family or you're having something in your life where, you know, it's, it's hard. And uh, you yeah. just want to have the same grace for that person you would want to have for you. And just get, be, be patient. Just like they said earlier, you know, it's not our job to convict. It's not our job to, to bring people, like, to draw people to God. We just got to share the love of Christ. We have to be that yeah. person, um, that hand, the hands and feet of God to those around us. And then through that, God's going to do the work. God's going to be the person that, that draws them, that, that leads them to faith. And, um, yeah, so that's all. That's good. You guys are, like, preaching my sermon for Sunday. That's that's pretty good. Yeah, keep it up. And also, too, I I think, um, like, when it comes to our own sins, and we all have them, um, that we need to be people who confess our sins because um, our interaction with unbelievers really depends on our ability to listen to the Holy Spirit. Um, 
And sin cuts off that communication. It, it makes it fuzzy, and it makes it hard to hear what God is saying. Um, I remember um, a couple years ago uh, when we lived here, I had a neighbor, uh, and the, he had a truck, and I asked, we, he was loading his truck, but he was loading me his truck to go pick up some furniture, and we, so we were, but he was driving, so he, we were on our, on our way to this place together, and, and as we were driving, I just felt like the Lord was saying, share the gospel with him, share the gospel mm. with him, and I didn't do it, mm. um, because um, I just thought, this can't be God, mm. like, we're in this truck for like 10 minutes. <laughs> We're going to pick up a couch. Like if I share the gospel right now, it's going to seem really like machine gun evangelism. Like here, you know, and, but I, and so I didn't do it. Um, about a year later, um, somebody else invited him to church and he got saved the first Sunday he went to church. That's cool. Um, and so looking back, I know now God was telling me to share the gospel with this wow. guy. And, and ever since then, my desire has been, Lord, help me to be obedient when yeah. you speak to me yeah. in every context. And help me to live the kind of life that allows me to hear you when you speak to me. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that's crucial. That's good. I, like, I love that. That's, I mean... Uh, persist, even though, you know, maybe they're not crazy, but no one loves it. Iron sharpens iron. Uh, it never feels good for that iron, right? Um, it, it's not a clean and easy process, um, uh, but persist through it, right? Um, so even if it feels like maybe they're pushing you away, um, you know, keep pushing. So um, on that same vein, uh, you know, confronting them, uh, persisting, um, the question was brought up, you know, how many sins then, you know, or what sins specifically. And so uh, the question specifically was, uh, should I only call out the big sins in my friend's life or in a Christian's life, uh, or should I just call out all of them? Uh, what qualifies it uh, to, what merits it uh, worthy of saying, hey, we need to have a sit down? Um, or is it always sit downs, or is it just, hey, let's talk really quick? <laughs> So I have a list. I'll give you a list of the ones that you should call out. I've got a list of Venn diagram, the, the gray right, area the ones. One in the middle, yeah. And then the ones that, you know, no. Um, yeah. I've got it. I'll CC it me in it. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I've got it figured out. Um, so it goes back in my mind to that grace concept, right? Guys, we are sinners. Yeah. We are all sinners. We are only saved by grace. And it's a daily walk that we have to um, re-consecrate our lives to Christ. Now, I, I'm not of the persuasion that you sin one little sin and you lose your salvation. I am not of yeah. that persuasion. I don't know if my fellow <laughs> panelists up here are. Now we're going to get into muddy waters. Um, but so I think if we are constantly looking at someone's life and trying to find fault in yeah what they're doing. We're missing the whole picture. Mm -hmm. And what we need to be talking to each other about is how do we move further and closer to Christ? And yeah. if that is our goal and our focus that we're encouraging each other all to move closer to Christ, all those little nitpicky picky things that we're trying to yeah. look in each other's lives, that's going to go away. And it's more about encouraging each other. If you're working with another uh, believer and you feel like every day you have to tell them what they're doing wrong, 
we, we've missed the boat. We yeah. need to be looking at how do we grow closer to Christ, all of us. And then it's the Holy Spirit that starts working in each of our lives as to um, kind of, you know, sanding off those rough edges and how can we be more and more Christ-like. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I just think it's a, looking at it from a totally different perspective instead of um, what's, what are the big sins, what are the little sins, how are we getting closer to Christ and yeah. having those conversations with each other? What did you do today to get closer That's to good. Christ? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I, I think um, the way that we cultivate community um, is crucial. Um, I, the church, um, Pope Francis said the church is supposed to be a field hospital. <laughs> um, and, and the idea is that we're supposed to be a community of healing, um, a community where people who come into that community, come into it with their brokenness, wanting to be made right. Um, I remember when I was in Teen Challenge, um, we had a, <clears throat> so I got saved through Teen Challenge, if you guys know what that is. And I'd been in about, it's a year-long kind of discipleship program. I'd been in about eight months, and we had this prayer group that met every night from, I think it was like nine, eight to nine. We prayed for an hour. Um, and we just, we just prayed for different needs. And so there was a group of about 10 of us that got together every night, seven days a week, and, and prayed. And one night, we got together to pray, and we had this whole kind of routine that we did, the way that we prayed. And that night, like, we would sing some songs, and we'd share some scripture, and, and then we would pray for specific needs. That night, the minute we started singing, the Holy Spirit fell like on that room, and one guy in particular just fell to the floor under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, just fell down, just weeping, um, and it lasted the whole hour. Um, and that was all that we got done that night. And none of us, other than that guy, knew anything about what was going on, what God was dealing with him. Um, a week later, he was caught in a major sin a week later. And I'm convinced that that night, God was giving him an opportunity to repent, and he rejected it. Um, That's what community should be. Um, If we have a healthy community, um, I really believe the Holy Spirit will will do the heavy lifting. Um, Hmm. um, Anyway, yeah. That's good. So I think we... We've got about five minutes to get two good questions, and maybe if someone has one question, to raise their hand. So um, two questions. I think we can do it in five minutes. But the first one, um, what should I do? I like this one. What should I do if the person who is in sin is in authority over me? So maybe parent. um, Maybe it might be uh, teacher. um, I don't know, another one. A boss, if if you have a job. And so um, what, what would you say about that if they're in authority over you? Nothing disqualifies you from calling them out, right? <laughs> Except your motive. That's good. What would you guys say? Would you say anything about that? Um, I would say, all right, from my own experience, um, I've, during high school, I, uh, my parents weren't, weren't followers of Christ. Um, they recently actually gave their lives to Christ not too mm-hmm. long ago, a few years ago. That's awesome. But uh, one of the things that was really difficult for me was just understanding that they didn't have the same convictions that I had. They didn't have the same, they weren't reading their Bible. They weren't uh, diving into God's word. And um, the things that I, were try- I was trying to do, I wasn't perfect. 
Um, I knew that I had a lot of mistakes, a lot of things that I was trying to work on in my life that God was working through me. Um, but one thing that I really held tight to was just honoring them and just uh, respecting them as people and respecting them um, mm. just as loved ones. Because um, I think it's different and it comes into different situations. But especially with your parents, um, they're your parents. You know, I, I would just recommend you respect them. Um, you honor them. You treat them just as God would, would want you to treat them with love, with dignity, and um, just pray yeah. for them. I mean, I, I cannot emphasize enough how important prayer is yeah. and how much it really does. Because um, when I was sitting here as a C, I probably didn't, I, I really, I would believe that prayer does things, but I really wouldn't live that out like I believe that. And if you just devote time to pray for them and um, just trust that God's going to do the work for you, God's going to be doing the work in their lives, mm-hmm. um, God's going to come and reveal that to them. Because if you point out a sin in your parents' life, it's probably not necessarily always going to go over as well as you'd like it to. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you that right now. Um, but there's this certain situations where you just got to be be respectful and just be um, honoring. And if, if it comes to a point where it's in harm of you, I'd say then you need to reach out to someone else yeah. um, if, that, if that sin's harming you your livelihood, harming someone else, that's when you need to reach out to someone else. But if there's a sin that, you know, is just things that you wouldn't do as a Christian and they're above you as your parent, someone else in leadership, um, then you just, I'll just pray for them. Yeah, I like that. I I think that's actually really so important. So, um, and I don't know if this specifically would apply to anyone in here, but um, I mean, if if it's your parents specifically, there's things that a child should not have to mentor or um, be accountable to their parents for. Um, you, you don't need to be a part of your, your parents' marriage. Um, you know, you don't need to be this third triangle council person. Um, and so, yeah, I think at that point specifically, if it's your parents, um, it, it really would be so, so much better just to have somebody else come alongside them um, and, and bring them into the loop. And so that's actually, I would, I would throw that in there, definitely. But that being, uh, that actually is a re- really good tie into our last question here. And um, it's about this bringing other people in. Uh, we talk, I talked about that in my last sermon last week. Um, and so the question is, if the Christian in sin will not listen to me, like Matthew 18, 16 talks about, are there any qualifications for who I should bring with me to critique them? So Matthew uh, 18, if you guys remember from my sermon last week, was um, if a brother's in sin, go to them um, in private, talk to them. If they won't listen to you, or if they listen to you, then you want a brother, right? But if they don't listen to you, um, then bring two or three more. If they still don't listen to them, then bring them before the church, right? And so um, what would you say about qualifications for who you would bring alongside you to them? I, you know, going back to that Matthew 7 passage and, you know, the log and the speck and all that, I, I think that's really about um, maturity. It's about, it's about Christian maturity. Um, and so I, I think you should look for people who are mature in their faith. And that doesn't mean necessarily somebody who attends church the most or who can recite the most Bible verses or whatever, but somebody who, who has a deep love for God and yeah. for what God is doing yeah. and who has been walking in that for, for some time. Um, I, I think that would be the key is, is just a spiritually mature person. Yeah. I think we also have to be really careful that we don't um, push people away. Yeah. And I think if we try to gang up on people and now three of us are going to go and talk to them, right. it's very easy that we can push them away 
um, even though we're trying to do what we think is the biblical response. And so yeah. I think it goes back to, again, what do we hope to accomplish out of that? Mm-hmm. Um, is what they're doing harming someone else? Okay, then we might need to bring people into the yeah. equation. Um, if what they're doing is uh, harming them, we want to let them know that that scares us and that worries us. Right. Um, but we don't want to lose them either. That's and okay. so the idea of let me go grab three other friends and we'll all confront you um, actually may do the opposite than, than what we want. So I think we have to be yeah. really careful with that. Yeah. yeah, and even the way I've approached it before is just like, not necessarily bringing those people to them, but maybe asking them, hey, do you want to go talk to some other people about this? Yeah. Just hitting it from a different angle, because that way you're not like bombard, like she said, not bombarding them. But maybe, you know, if it's a friend in youth group, you know, like, hey, I think Pastor Isaac might be a good person to talk to about this. Like, mm-hmm. I don't have all the answers, but I, I think Pastor Isaac might be a good person to reach out to. And uh, just bringing them along and walking with them towards someone else for, yeah. more, for more advice, for more information, rather than just kind of like, bringing all these people, hey, we got some information for you, you know, so it's just hitting it from a different angle and thinking about how can we do it in a loving way, in a way that's going to be received well, Right. and um, yeah. I think that's so good, you know, if you think about it, you're not, and I talked about this some last week, um, who you're picking, it's not like, hey, I got to tell you about, you know, it's your best friend, it's just so coincidental that, you know, it's your best friend you just have to bring alongside just because you want to get them in on this uh, the details of their sin, you know, I mean, so you can look at uh, James chapter 5 where it's saying, you know, if someone is sick before, you know, if they're struggling with sin, uh, bring the elders of the church. Um, and so uh, I think, you know, someone that it's not just your friend group and like, man, let's just gang up, you know, it's just not like this, this is my posse and so I'm bringing them automatically. Um, it brings someone that really would be beneficial for that person. Um, and, you know, I think Galatians 6.1, right, it, it, I preached on that a couple weeks ago, and it was, um, you who are spiritual should uh, restore the person in sin, and um, you're like, oh, well, so now I'm not, spo- I'm, you know, not to that point, well, when do I get spiritual? Um, am I good enough to be someone that can critique? Uh, if you look in Galatians 5, right before that, um, the fruits of the Spirit, you know, you love, peace, patient, are, are, are you able to be um, peaceful, loving, patient with that person, um, then you meet the qualification of just being someone that wants to point them to Christ, and so um, for their well-being, rather than let's gang up on them, I would say are big qualifications, and you guys hit on it. So um, I think we literally have like a minute or two, and so maybe we might just have one question. If someone has something, you can raise your hand, and uh, you can even call on someone if you want for them to answer. Yeah, Ryan. I that might actually especially qualify you because because you can come and say hey you know what I I see you're struggling with this you know what I am too yeah let's let's talk about this together about what what scripture says about this and what what a healthy way of, of getting out of this looks like. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think God does that. I think he uses people who have similar struggles to come alongside each other and help each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, with that, what you were maybe hinting at, like, would we maybe feed off of each other's struggle or, or whatever, would we maybe you wouldn't be so much help with them, but rather you would... Um, I think what Jerry said, I mean, what does Scripture say about this? So, you know, you're, you're pointing at a focus, how do we change this, not how do we console each other because, oh, you struggle with this? Yeah, me, me too. And there's really no, how can we break it? It's really just, um, 
this uh, support group where we're just, you know, um, feeling bad for the other one. Um, because I think as long as you have this effort to let's look at Scripture, um, let's sit underneath Scripture, what it says, and let's walk to Christ together. If you have that motive, um, I'd say you are perfectly qualified. Um, if it's rather just, man, you struggle with that, yeah, me too, and you leave it at that, um, you need someone else that maybe is more, that knows what they're doing, you know, they, they don't struggle with it, you know, whatever. Um, it can't just be a yeah. And people bond. respond to vulnerability, though. Yeah. Whether, yep. whether it's from the pastor or from the, the youth leader or, or whoever, um, when you say, you know what, I, I'm dealing with this too, it makes the person feel like, oh, you know what, There's, I'm not alone in this struggle. Yeah. Um, and that's huge for some people. So. Yeah, that's good. One last one, maybe not. Okay, Elise, yeah. What do you guys think about Sabbath? Specific days, or so, can you have a different Sabbath? So that's a great question. The whole idea about a Sabbath is the idea of creating sacred space. Um, creating space in our life um, to focus on God. Um, in the Old Testament, that was Saturday. Um, in the Jewish world, that was the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. um, with the coming of Jesus, um, you know, he rose from the dead on Sunday, and so that's why we celebrate church on Sunday. But the idea of sacred space, I think, suddenly becomes not just a day, but it becomes our whole life. Mm -hmm. um, and so we need to preserve sp specific times and spaces to be with God, um, but everything that we do suddenly becomes sacred space because of the Holy Spirit who is present with us all the time. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't think it's a sin that, that we go to restaurants and people are working on a Sunday. Um, um, but I do think we have to remember that we are in sacred space even when we do that. Yeah. Does, that does that make sense? So. That's good. Well, guys, can you give it up for these three? Um, we thank you so much. Honestly, thank you uh, for your insights. Um, I, know, I know a number of you guys have, uh, you know, parents got to pick you up or whatever, and so um, that was our service tonight, and so, uh, hey, remember though, as I have everyone here, um, I will send out stuff on Facebook, Instagram, remind app, but no service next week, that's Halloween night, okay, and so just know that we don't have service, um, but aside from that, you guys are dismissed, there's going to be ice cream outside, these three have families, and so they won't be able to stay, stay for very long, um, but catch them out the door. There you go. We hope you enjoyed the sermon. If you're not already a part of the ET family, we invite you to join us on Wednesday nights. For more information, visit etchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon.